All right. Hello, everybody out there. Slack line, the big Slack line. Once again, uh, we had a couple uh, missed weeks, but we are back in the game here once again with Jay Wow, 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 and the boss. The boss is coming. Like a made-up dumb fairy tale name, you. And uh, yeah, we are back in the house once again. The mustache is here. Um, sadly, possibly for the final time, or maybe we'll probably do a couple more episodes before you go. But oh yeah. Some sad news today that Jay Wow will be uh, heading back to Brazil uh, in due time. The country is telling him to get out in no uncertain words, but <laughs> no, yeah, actually, just for uh, uh, hopefully uh, until my PR, um, until I get my PR here and afterwards uh, come back. That's right. That's right. You'll be back sooner, sooner than you could ever hope for. Yeah, but you see, today I'm kind of homesick. I brought Matt some uh, Brazilian treats. Some here. Brazilian treats. That's right. Guaraná, which is a pop that we have there. It's very delicious. It's very fruity. Not sure what the fruit is, but I'm gonna look uh, it up but afterwards. The fruit is guaraná. Yeah, I know, but I'm not sure what it looks like or anything. I'm gonna look it up afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a fruit that uh, they only have in Amazon. Tastes kind of grapefruity. But sweeter. Yeah. Without yeah. the bitter aftertaste. Well, yeah. It's a lot of sugar inside. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't know what the actual fruit tastes like because this is a fruit pop. But it is very good. And we got some chicken fried potato thing. It's called coxinha. Coxinha. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, coconut uh, cake. Coconut cake. Oh, that is, that's it dangerous, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a very simple one, but uh, I guess it's good. Okay. Um, I will have a bite of that coconut cake. Just give me a little break of it. Oh my goodness, it's so fluffy. Holy shit. Oh, it's falling apart. Oh, so moist. Oh my. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I was still it's just about a clump in my hand. <laughs> oh my God. I got to put my mic down for a second and try a bite of this. <laughs> mm. oh. Not so bad, huh? It's all over my shirt and my pants. Mm. Oh, delightful. Okay. Um, we are going to get to our guest right away today because she is kind enough to call us in or call into us from uh, from Chicago, an old friend of mine uh, back from university days. Uh, she has since gone and uh, done delightful things with herself. 
Um, that sounds really weird. I should cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> she has since gone and done amazing things with herself. Um, and we will get her on the line in just a moment. Uh, her name is Dr. Zoe Arthurson McCall. And she is a JD candidate. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm just going to set my mic down and we'll get her on the line. All right. Uh, hey, Zoe. On the line, we have Dr. Zoe Arthurson McCall. We welcome her to the Slack line. How are you today? Welcome. I'm pretty good. How are you? Uh, doing all right. Thanks. How's uh, your weekend starting out? Um, It's really boring. <laughs> I'm in contrast to the past, I'm avoiding St. Patrick's Day like the plague. I was going to ask you. I was going to say I know you're used to... Uh, uh well when i uh when when we used to hang out uh saint patrick's day was uh a bit of a holiday for you i was curious about your take on that now i just i mean i like it you know because it, it's just everyone's best friends on saint patrick's day it's you know true. it's always that's fun true. that's true but, you know i'm old and i don't have the energy like I barely had the energy to put on pants today, to be honest. <laughs> You're not um, old. You just you uh, you work way too hard. This is true. This <laughs> is true. I am. <laughs> right now is probably a good time to mention that uh, anything you say is not necessarily reflective of Kent University and all of their affiliates or something to that effect. Yeah. Let's get to you a little bit. So you uh, you graduate from University of Calgary and you go down to uh, Gainesville, Florida to University of Florida, right? Down there? Correct. And yes. I got confused because last time you told me you're a doctor of criminology, but then you post your PhD finally on your wall and it says doctor of philosophy. Oh, so that's um, just the, uh, that's what PhD stands for. Okay. So Ph. Well, I don't know why it's Ph.D. and not D.P.H. But you know, I've, it's it's the name of the degree. So it's like you know, I have a master's in criminology. I also have a doctorate of philosophy in criminology. Oh, I see. Uh, sweet. So then you go, uh, you go from there, and you're on your you uh you hit Kent University in Chicago. Um, yeah. where, uh, did you teach in Kent for a little bit and now you're just studenting or you just went right into studenting at Kent? Um, I just went right into studenting. Oh, okay. And yeah. And still, um, so I have kind of a super part-time job working for, um, the Institute on the Supreme Court of the United States. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it's, um, kind of like, you know, it's something, you know, basically we run a blog and there's all different kinds of posts. Like we'll do like if there's arguments in a case and someone will be assigned to write about that and, you know, kind of be like a resource for, uh, for information if people want to kind of delve deeper, but, you know, we write in a way that, um, you know, someone without, you know, a legal education would be able to understand. Um, so basically I get to, I get paid. I mean, not very much because <laughs> it's a student job, but I get paid to nerd out about the Supreme court. So <laughs> that's cool. I know you like that making, uh, yeah. Uh, really long distance uh, Judge Scalia jokes that n nobody else gets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, some people get them, you know. My, yeah. I'm. Oh, I'm sure you travel in circles where people do get them. <laughs> yes. Um. So I, I swear I'm funny. <laughs> oh no, you. Yes. Uh, I, I'm well aware of your humor. Don't worry about that. Uh, and uh, so 
But you did this all uh, after and during surviving leukemia, which uh, yes. is something that uh, uh, you carry with you, obviously, both as a point of pride and kind of a, a way, I think, uh, to you know give yourself some revo- resolve to, to complete the things that you did. You want to talk a little bit about your struggle there? Yeah, so um, I diagnosed with AML, acute myeloid leukemia, um, in my second semester of grad school. And I actually recently um, reached um, four years of survival from diagnosis, um, which um, for my type of cancer, which the five-year survival rate is about 5%. Um, So getting to this point is just, you know, medically kind of incredible. That's Um, awesome. Congratulations, Zoe. Thank you. Um, And so I lived in the hospital for six months, um, and I I don't know how, but I managed to stay in school, still get my PhD in four years, um, and then go to law school. And now I'm kind of um, in this place where, like, you know, obviously I have school and everything, and things are going well, um, and I'm kind of, like, dealing with the long-term consequences of that. Um, Because, you know, cancer's not something that's supposed to happen in your 20s, so... Um, you know, it actually, um, it caused me to develop a bit of PTSD, Mm. um, which, you know, hasn't been the most, obviously it's not fun to deal with. Um, but yeah, now I'm at the point where I'm kind of, I've joined a couple of like online support groups, um, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I was, it was, it hit a bit of a rough patch there. Just, you know, psychologically kind of coming to terms with, you know, the fact that I had a terminal illness mm-hmm. um but i found that um i actually for the first time um voluntarily took days off of school <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so well i'm um, sure you deserve really break. supportive yeah and like i mean you know me i don't like resting and relaxing I, right. I find it kind of abhorrent <laughs> um so it hasn't been like the most comfortable thing but um it it does work that whole resting and relaxing thing so it's um i also started reading a non-school book for the first time in like forever oh yeah Um, is it fiction based or is it a a non-fiction it it is oh Um, really well yeah and actually a friend gave it to me because she's like you're having a tough time read this book it'll make you feel better um so i'm reading the alchemist oh nice i have that book i haven't read it yet though yeah it's um it's like I don't know. For me, where I am, it was exactly like it's exactly kind of what I need to be reading. Um, so I, I highly recommend that. Yeah, I've been. I, I I look at it. It's actually on my shelf right in front of me here. And I, every once in a while, I, I glance over and go, "I should read that," and then I don't. But uh, I mean, you go to the U.S. for school. Uh, you end up dealing with cancer. Um, I mean, we all know the stories of the healthcare system down there and the university costs down there. Like, like, how did you get through all that? And you know, I know you were kind of working for the school and you did your your things uh, that way. But like, man, that's like that must. Uh, did Canada help you out? at all with that or like how did that work um well the financial aid at the hospital that i got my bone marrow transplant at was actually really really good um so basically you're like if you you have this application and if you make less than like the poverty line you know whatever amount um, then you know 
basically they kind of waive, you know, the majority of your fees. So I ended up usually only just paying for prescriptions. Um, and, you know, it wasn't as bad as I would have thought. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, me and my little white privilege ivory tower bubble. So um, I imagine that that is not the experience that, you know, a lot of other people have. Yeah, um, but I was curious because I mean, yeah, obviously the the white privilege is is a thing. Uh, but you're you're not a citizen of that country, um, you know. Like I, I'm not sure what your rights were at that point because you'd only been there for a couple years at that point. Like, what? Uh, how? I don't know. I I find it odd that you wouldn't have to pay, you know, pretty much anything for. Well, I mean, I mean, like I don't know, but like you, as you said, like a lot of it was kind of taken care of for you. How I, I was under the impression that that was pretty much just not a thing there. Um, usually it is. I think um, it had part of it might have had to do with the fact that I was a student at the university um, at which the hospital was affili affiliated with. Okay. So like I'm not in the same situation now. Um, so now I actually have to pay the healthcare bills, which is super fun. Oh. Um, okay. But you know I'm. You know, I go to Chicago Kent, um, but my hospital is Northwestern. So um, I don't know if it's, you know, they give kind of, you know, students of, you know, the university at, that the hospital is at. Um, I think there's that. Um, I also, um, I there was actually um, in the, uh, my graduate school office, there was a student who was a few years ahead of me. Um, and he had actually um, gone through a treatment for a different type of cancer um, in his like first or second year of grad school as well. Um, okay. So he kind of he was very good at you know financial aid type stuff, and he was a huge help in kind of helping me navigate things at the beginning. So I think that that just gave me like a really good advantage um, in terms of kind of figuring you know the logistics of having cancer out, um, mm. which you know then allowed me to focus on you know getting better. And did you join any other sort of support groups while you were uh, while you were sick? Or, or I mean, you mentioned that you're kind of doing that now with the uh, with the PTSD that you're dealing with. But um, uh, as far as when you were sick, did you did you go through anything like that? Um, a little bit. And what was the most helpful for me was this organization um, at the hospital called Streetlight. And basically, they have you know undergraduate volunteers, and they kind of they're just they hang out with you, like you know. A, a group of them would come to my room and would have a Cards Against Humanity night. Oh, nice. Um, you know, every year on my transplant birthday, a couple of people from that organiza organization who, um, you know, maybe they're not volunteering or anything, but, you know, we still kind of, like, keep in touch with each other. Um, and that was um, the biggest thing for me. And I'm actually um, still good friends with the director of the program, um, Emily Sullivan. And it's, you know, just having... Like, it's the the little things that I think really make the difference when people are facing, you know, terrible um, experiences like I did. Um, you know, like someone even she came. My friend Kelsey came every week and she did my laundry. Like, and yeah. you know, it's very small, but like all of the little things like that kind of like built on each other to kind of get me through. For sure, it's amazing the uh, the amount of good and you know just small gestures of kindness can do for for anyone but particularly somebody that uh is obviously dealing with you know an illness or or or, so, or any type of issue like that 
yeah, so you uh, you survive the the leukemia, and uh, the world is is better for it as you go on to uh, you know become or you've always been very politically active and and uh, justice based but uh you want to uh you have pursuits of being a judge yes and uh and uh you're on that path at a very young age uh how are you uh how are you dealing with that landscape um well i go back and forth about wanting to be a judge honestly um because on the one hand it's a super cool job but there are you know there are also a lot of kind of drawbacks so i mean i'm still in my first year of law school so i'm trying to keep my options open and just kind of be open to other possibilities um but it is kind of you know an intimidating kind of idea because you know whether you know i'm a defense attorney or um if i end up going you know into politics whatever i'm going to have you know power and i feel like too much of an adult for how for like my age i don't know you know it's like yeah well i mean gonna trust me with this you did that to yourself zoe by being way too awesome uh and working Mm, way too hard so (laughs) that just comes with the territory um but yeah i see what you're saying i mean like i i forget sometimes the age of people as they you know kind of rise to uh to maturity and to a level of, uh, you know, power that is significant in the world, even something up to, like, President of the United States. Like, there's rarely been a president that's been under, like, 50 years old. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and then you look at yourself as you're 26, right? Or just turned 27, right? Yes. Yes, I forgot. I have it written at the top of my page to wish you happy birthday off the top, and I did not, and I am sorry. Happy (laughs) birthday to you. Thank you. Um, and that was on the 15th, right? You turned, uh, 27? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Same nice. birthday as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, um, is that, is that the, the main reason why you're such a big fan of her? Um, well, I mean, there's lots of reasons. So she has like a pop culture following. Yeah. Like someone made this meme once of her, um, calling her the notorious RBG. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of like caught on. So, you know, I'm. In, in the fan club, I guess you could say. That's cool. That's cool. But uh, but yeah, so um, it can be hard to think of yourself or others to think of you as somebody that can be, you know, a a, a mover or, or an impactor on a, on a grander stage when you're, you know, not even 30 years old. Um, do you find that, especially, you know, with doctor in front of your name and as a young woman, uh do you find you know just people kind of not being able to shake that from you um well i get i get different reactions i mean sometimes there you know there's you know people think that i'm because i look about 10 years younger than i actually am um so yeah so you look 16 you know yeah um so sometimes it can be difficult to get people to take me seriously um but then, you know, for people who, you know, at least know me, um, you know, they, you know, will come to me with, like, serious things, like, you know, job applications, and not just, like, I need a reference, but, like, even people are applying to, like, law school and grad school and med school who, you know, have been in the classes that I taught at the University of Florida, and it's kind of, like, 
I'm going to be a factor in determining whether like you get to, you know, pursue this career. Like it's, um, it's a tremendous, um, responsibility and one that I, um, don't take lightly. Um, you know, things like writing letters of reference or when people are like, I don't know how to solve this problem, even if it has nothing to do with my expertise. Um, you know, people seem to think that sometimes because I have a PhD, I'm some sort of responsible adult, um, <laughs> which, you know, we could debate that all day. But Well, I think academically and, uh, you know, um, career wise. Yeah, definitely. Uh, your personal life is your own business. So <laughs> well, however, however immature you are there, I think I as long as you are, uh, I think you're going to need that balance a little bit if you uh if you're so uh you know professionally motivated in one direction you got to have a little silliness on the other side of things. Yeah. Um well, go ahead Joel you had a, a no, question. No um I, I just I just think it's interesting you said that um you think in your opinion everyone can be rehabilitated, right? Even um Even people that are, um, like, uh, biologically uh, violent, you know, like, the, mm -hmm. do, do you think that these people also have, uh, it's possible to, to, to have a treatment for them? I think it's possible, very unlikely. Mm -hmm. um, but the point is, is that it's, it's possible. And I don't know enough about clinical psychology to, you know, give a really informed opinion about any of this. Uh -huh. But... I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be seen as supporting, you know, like the mm -hmm. rights of, you know, serial killers or anything. But and in a lot of cases, it's very unlikely that someone can be rehabilitated. But mm. it, if it's possible, mm. you know, I I think we should try. And I think that trying starts out as with treating everyone the same way in the criminal justice system and and, and do you think that after conviction um like the the u.s uh, prisoner system it's it's a place to 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 get rehabilitated i mean uh, recently that doesn't sound good <laughs> um recently i saw i i don't know if you have seen this documentary called uh, the house i live in and they just no. uh, you've seen it no, I haven't. Okay. Well, it, it was just interesting for me because um, they were just, you know, uh, showing uh, the American uh, um, prison uh, um, uh, system. And, like, even the prisons, when, when they become uh, uh, private, right? Like, someone mm -hmm. owns that to, 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 make, to make money, right? I mean, what what your, what your take about that? I, I mean, the... Uh, pardon my language, but the American criminal justice system is a clusterfuck of a dumpster fire. <laughs> It, it's doing an absolutely terrible job mm -hmm. at rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. um, no, there there are pockets of good, very small pockets. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. So it's mm -hmm. not 100% bad, but as a whole, no. Just not doing a great job overall. Yeah, yeah. If if you've ever um, watched any clips from last week tonight by John Oliver, yeah, mm -hmm. um, he actually does a very good job at you know presenting you know legitimate information that 
about criminal justice reform and everything. So yeah, yeah he has those some are good actually, on it. Yeah, I've actually shown it in a couple of the classes that I taught. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Cool. I like that. I like. Uh, I, I I get really into uh, like crash course videos and stuff like that. It's good to know that teachers are actually using those types of things. Uh, yeah. Well, how about uh, how about everything that's going on down there in uh, in the great old U.S. of A. Um, oh God, <laughs> it's pretty disastrous, hey? It's 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 almost hard to wrap my head around it. Like you think that you've hit like you know, kind of the threshold for, you know, how much bullshit a country can tolerate. And then all of a sudden, just a whole new pile. Yeah, what kind of blows my mind about the whole thing is, like, uh, if this was even, well, I mean, during Obama's administration, like, I don't even want to know what the backlash would be, but, like, all of these types of people that are now, like, supporting Trump who were all, like, super pro-Reagan and all that type of stuff. Like, if this was happening when those people were, you know, in their 30s and things, like, there would be an uproar. Like, even, like, the slight suggestion of, like, tampering with Russia or something would, like, provoke, like, nuclear war. Like, it's, it's, it's insane to me that people are just like, huh, maybe. I'm like, no, definitely, definitely. Like, yeah. no, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, um, take the birther movement, for example, like, that was insane, and that was about just this really, really tiny, like, negligible, you know, fact, and there was this insane uproar about it, and now there's, you know, Russia tampered with our election, you know, not our election, because I didn't, you know, Canadian, so I don't vote in U.S. elections, um, but, like, you know, it's just kind of like, eh, but you know her emails. Yeah. Like, people are still talking about, like, he'll still bring that up. And I'm like, dude, you won. Yeah, it was like, like a year ago. Like, shut the fuck up and run the country. Uh, oh, my God. Two years ago. Almost. Yeah, fuck. Oh, it, oh God. Oh. I know. It seems oh. like it should be, like, a decade ago. It's interesting mm -hmm. to me to live, though, in, like, what I would consider... Uh, like a historical point in history, you know, like that sounds kind of redundant, yeah. but like we're going to look back on this time and be like, Oh my God. Uh, oh, that's yeah. when everything either went to fuck or that's when everything changed in some way, shape or form. Hopefully I like, I'm optimistic that it will end up being for the better ultimately, but you never know. Yeah. I think, you know, fingers crossed that things will end up, you know, Kind of working out and i think we can already see some of that positive change um you know i mean the biggest example of that would be you know the kids in florida like emma gonzalez who are leading a movement that they should not have to lead but um you know there's kind of these little kind of strands of hope kind of loosely scattered about the country and we're gonna think we're gonna get through this but we're gonna look back and it's gonna be one of those things where like our kids are gonna be like but you remember what happened with the holocaust and then this thing still happened and you know we didn't quite learn our lesson about nationalism like yeah that's all that type of thing is really what blows my mind about about all of this is to is to see people 
you know, marching with Nazi flags alongside American flags and like a bunch of people that are on that side also think it's un-American to kneel before the American flag. And I'm like, no, that's like the most American thing you can possibly do. And like the your grandfathers and stuff that would that like fought in that war would be like embarrassed and disgraced by you carrying that flag alongside of of the american flag like what the fuck i don't get i know it's i i have tried to understand um and i don't think there's enough bourbon in the world for me to you know really comprehend you know how people can think that's okay um and what i really you know kind of one of the um i would say collateral consequences of you know that type of you know behavior and that you know arising of hate is that it creates you know a very um us versus them type of culture so you know it becomes very difficult for people to have you know conversations about things that they disagree on um which i actually am so i I have one friend super republican but you know we're both kind of like real you know we both don't like what's going on you know even though we disagree about everything so we've made it a point to just, you know, have respectful conversations about things that we disagree with. Right. You know, like, she's very, very pro-life. I am very, very pro-choice. But, you know, that kind of, like, it's it's just actually incredibly easy to just not be an asshole. Right. And I think that a lot of people, you know, who are caught up in, you know, this conflict and kind of making scandals out of things that shouldn't be scandals um Mm -hmm. that they just they just seem to have lost that concept oh yeah tell me about it it's it's very frustrating to watch sometimes like i force myself to but like i find myself like you know i watch some news segments or something and as soon as somebody from you know pretty much any one of you know take your pick of like white nationalist movements or just like you know all the way up to the president of the united states like 30 seconds into them talking i have my head in my hand like what what (laughs) like betsy devos is the education minister and like she can't even answer like basic questions about public schools and like i'm like what how was nobody i mean but the thing is is i guess I think that nobody's doing anything, but then you see, like, the kids in Florida and uh, and these types of backlashes actually happening, which I think is the positive kind of pushback from this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been a lot of political apathy from people of our generation, yeah. I think, uh, from just, like, you know, Facebook became a thing and we thought liking things actually, you know, made a difference somehow. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden we realize, like, oh, shit, this, like, this stuff was actually growing. How can we, you know, suppress it, you know, in a weird, oppressive way, I guess. But, like, it has to be suppressed, right? Like, you can't tolerate stuff like this. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I think part of the reason is that it's it's so much. Like, it's incredibly overwhelming. And, you know, I think that, you know, part of that apathy is that, you know, we kind of, you know, sometimes create these little, you know, safe worlds for ourselves, because if we, you know, really realize 
you know, what the fuck is going on and just how bad it is, then, you know, it would be almost devastating. So I think people sometimes, you know, they just don't realize that, you know, it is possible to kind of be aware and to not be completely overwhelmed by it. But, you know, it's easy to just be complacent. Yeah, that's true. I mean, especially from uh, a Canadian standpoint. I mean, I'm American as well, but, like, there's still only so much I can do without actually, like, moving myself. Um, But, like, okay, so you're a Canadian that's been in the States. I've been curious to ask you about, like, just your your take on the kind of cultural differences because, I mean, you went from, you know, I mean, what is the probably the most conservative part of Canada, but still very liberal uh, area compared to, uh, you know, Florida, uh, interior Florida where you go to school, and then now to Chicago. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about the ca- sort of cultural differences there? Um, yeah, so honestly, I had a bit of culture shock when I moved to Florida um, because it's just... I mean, it's not like anyone's saying a different language, but it's, you know, like little things like, you know, the different accent there or um, kind of you can like almost like see kind of the, you know, inherent racial segregation, you know, um, and, you know, obviously Canada has its you know own set of issues when it comes to you know race and ethnicity, but it's just so clear and like out there and um i don't know i like i had never seen okra before that that was okra you know okra yeah i'm not sure what that is sorry it's it's like a kind of vegetable type thing it's disgusting okay um but yeah even like little things like the food or um just kind of how people you know, kind of treat each other, you know, it's little things like the door doesn't get held open for you as much, you know, there's less like please and thank you type of thing. Um, Do you find that to be, sorry, go on. Like the thing that changed or that I've noticed that's the difference between Chicago and Florida um, is because, you know, now I drive and driving in Chicago is a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's like, you know that whole idea, you know, defensive driving? Yeah. Like, it takes that to an extreme. Like, sometimes there's not even lanes on the road, and sometimes there will be, like, two lanes, but then someone decides to park in the one next to the curb, so you have to... It's... Just anarchy? Yes. <laughs> sometimes the anarchy can work when there's, like, no traffic lights and stuff in, like, uh, places like Mexico and things, when it's just, like pure chaos or like india or something but like like it seems to work because everybody's kind of working together to to uh to run the chaos but when you're like completely ignoring what are very clear like you know laws and like lights and where you can park and stuff like that then yeah things get really fucked up Mm -hmm. but that's kind of uh beside the point and it's and it's also like i also because yeah i've been in school for so long um so a lot of the people who like I grew up with, I went to high school with, are like having kids and buying houses and you know doing things that because they have jobs and make money, they're able to do. So sometimes I also get a bit of big kid purchase envy because I'm like, man, no, I make negative money right now, and that person just bought a Mercedes. 
Yeah, but you're doing important things with your life. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I know I it's it's so strange how our, uh, how we don't reward that type of behavior um in our kind of social and economic structure very well. It's it's always been weird to me that people like teachers and and yeah, um you know, law professors and whatnot and and just well, I mean law professors I'm sure are making a killing overall in the US, but uh you know uh you know public defenders and that type of thing tend not to make uh a lot of money uh even down to like firefighters and police officers and things and then you know yeah. you have people that sit on their ass and rake in billions of dollars because whatever we don't need to get into that i don't think but anyways um but you did mention you know last time that uh, that you kind of struggle with or you don't struggle with, but people, other, you know, older people tend to struggle with, uh, you know, referring to you as doctor and, and that type of thing. And, and that can kind of grate on you a little bit. It, it does. And it's, I get that there's this, you know, idea, I guess that, you know, I'm being like pompous or something. Um, but I'm like, I freaking earned that. Like, absolutely. But, but, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, in situations like in class when I get cold called and then like Ms. Arthurs and McCall, like, you know, technically, like I have the right to say actually it's a doctor. But, you know, in that kind of setting, it's not going to bring any benefit to me. It's probably just going to make me look bad in the eyes of my professor. So it's like ha- want to be called what I have the right to be called and balancing that with kind of, you know, I guess maintaining like, you know, good working relationships so it's it's a balancing act um but you know i mean i always i in my like email signature i always have at the bottom dr artisan mccall um so yeah uh well i mean you should and like you said you uh you absolutely earn that and uh yeah i mean like the professors that uh that are teaching your classes you mean or or people that you work with that um you know rightfully should be like because they refer to their other peers as as dr mcdreamy or whatever they should be referring Mm -hmm. to you as as dr mccall or doctors oe even if you want to be informal about it yeah well it's it's usually um like professors who, who are teaching my classes um and like it's it's no like they're not doing it you know, to offend me or anything. So I think that's usually where I kind of like, you know, draw the line. If it, I mean, if it's in a social setting, I totally correct someone. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I get that, you know, having a, you don't expect to have PhDs in the first year law school, law school class. So, you know, it's, it does bother me, but not enough to kind of, motivate me to you know fight for change or anything yeah that's fair enough um yeah so uh last time we were talking uh my my co-host he mentioned a story about his uh his uh girlfriend who used to work in in the medical field in france and uh she experienced you know this like i guess kind of back rooms of uh, where the doctors and 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 pharmacists and people used to you know draw pictures, lewd pictures of of you know colleagues and stuff, and uh, 
and you know the people would go in there to change and doctors and whatnot would just leer at you know nurses and that type of deal uh obviously gross disgusting behavior but like is there something about uh you know these people that are put in you know not put in they put themselves in positions of trust like you're talking about you know writing references letters and that type of thing um Mm. and then you know take advantage of that not just with patients but with you know professional colleagues and people that are around them and people that you would think would you know say something about it well it's i mean i haven't experienced a whole lot of it in law school i think it's um you know when i would start to experience it um at least you know more so than i kind of you know as a woman just generally experience sexism on a day-to-day basis um it and it depends i think you know on where people work um because i know like some types of law firms or some kind of government agencies are you know more comfortable um, and, you know, better places for, you know, both women and people of color um, to work for. So um, it's, and it's an interesting time to kind of, you know, be considering these things um, with, you know, everything going on and, you know, 45. Um, So I, I don't know. I'm right now, I'm just trying to keep, you know, not like a low profile, but just, you know, focus on kind of getting the most I can out of my education and kind of, you know, being aware that, you know, these are things that I'm going to have to deal with um, probably, but kind of just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be in like a serious workplace environment for a couple of years. So I'm just kind of letting myself not experience that burden for now. Well, that's uh that's a pretty good way to look at us kind of just, uh, avoid the types of situations where where that type of behavior might be might be coming out um but it is i mean it's hard to avoid because it's so systematic right i mean you're dealing with it even on a smaller scale of of uh you know some somebody calling you you know sweetie or something like that or undermining something you say just because like you say you look 16 um you know like i'm I'm sure you get a lot of mansplaining around you all the time from people that are so you know, much mansplaining. Yeah, and from people so that are likely less educated than you. Um mm-hmm. and you don't want to be pulling that card ever, right? Uh you know, it's yeah. like even as like a a guy to guy, you don't want to pull that card. Um, you know, how do you feel about somebody that is for lack of a better term of a l- lower education level than you? That's not a bad term necessarily, but like kind of trying to tell you about something that you obviously know more about but you know won't relent because of you know some sort of machismo or whatever yeah well i mean it it happens um it's um and i think i just you know if it's like you know a male professor or something who honestly like you know thinks that they're like educating me and it's not you know they have good basically you know if they have good intentions um then you know i'm usually like you know, I try to be aware of, you know, different situations and just be like, you know, they probably think I'm just like a regular one else. So why would they, you know, have any reason to know that I know about, you know, X, Y, or Z. But if it's a classmate um, and a male classmate or even a female classmate, though, I, at least in my experience, um, women are less mansplaining, um, understandably. But usually 
honestly, it's like, it's not more like anything that I say. Um, I, it's, I usually honestly just glare or roll my eyes. Um, <laughs> just make it very clear that I'm, you know, they need to stop talking. <laughs> I'm sure that often works. It's very effective. <laughs> uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about uh, Judge Aquilina and uh, the Larry Nasser case in the U.S. And uh, uh, I wanted your perspective on, uh, well, what happened is, uh, I think it was seven young women, uh, gymnasts accused uh, and was Larry Nasser was convicted of, of sexual assault uh, as a doctor who was trusted with uh, with healing them um, in in a, what was called a you know kind of uh, experimental method what was basically just you know sexual abuse um, mm-hmm. and he sentenced to like two hundred years in jail uh, you know for all these counts and during the sentencing hearing Judge Aquilina. Uh, was pretty visceral with him, uh, you know, saying that she was happy to sign his death warrant and that type of thing. And she also brought in a bunch of people from that were part of the case, although had complaints about his behavior. Um, you know, what's your take on that as somebody who studies justice? And, you know, I thought that judges were supposed to be a bit impartial, more impartial, obviously, in in sentencing or in in, uh, trials. But in sentencing, it felt kind of weird. What's your take on that? Um, So first, I mean, I absolutely believe that Larry Nasser deserved every year of that sentence. Um, But, you know, kind of similar to you, I do, you know, it. I understand that, you know, you want to give victims a forum to kind of, uh, you know, address their abuser and, you know, have a voice and give them, you know, that bit of power back. Um, But I don't, and I feel at least a little uncomfortable with the idea that um, women who are not, you know, part of the case were allowed to um, kind of have an effect on his sentence. Um, I think, I mean, I, I understand why, um, but I, I also have like a bit of an issue with, um, victim impact statements. I mean, I think it's important to take, you know, a victim's experience into account, but I don't, what makes me kind of like, or I guess what irks me, I don't necessarily think it's 100% wrong or anything, but it's something that I'm like, oh, I, you know. Just and like I might disagree with this, um, but I basically don't know enough to know whether I fully disagree with it or not. But like I don't like that you're bringing stuff after that's not you know wasn't in evidence before. Um, so that's kind of my first issue um, with that. Um, but you know I might have a different take on it once I you know learn more about the law. Um, and with respect to Judge Aquilina's, um, you know, remarks during sentencing, you know, I absolutely, she absolutely has the discretion to, you know, say, you know, what she wants to, um, and, you know, give whatever sentence. But I feel like she went a little bit too far um, in terms of including personal details about herself, because um, I don't remember exactly what 
you know, she said, but I think, she, you know, it was a little too personal. Um, and from my perspective, at least. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, as soon as I was, uh, I watched it, I actually thought about you and, and wanting to ask you about it. Cause I was like, man, this seems, it seems off to me. And just, you know, the, the state of kind of justice in general, in the U.S., it seems kind of, I mean, not seems, it is off. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, systematic issues involving, uh, you know, prisons and and, uh, and just how many people they're putting in there and, f- and for what reasons. And, uh, you know, what's your take on kind of just the overall system down there and how it's working for, uh, you know, for the, the criminals as it's supposed to? Um, well, I, there are just so many problems with the criminal justice system in America. I mean, that's partly why, you know, I live here because there's so much work for me to do. Like, I'm always going to have a job because there's just so many problems. Um, and, you know, there are pockets of good, um, but it, you know, it is hard to find them, especially when it comes to, you know, like o- overcrowding prisons um or you know one the biggest my like from time to time i'll like learn about an issue and become kind of obsessed with it um so right now my kind of obsession is um i don't know if i t- talked about this last time um but i went um with the criminal defense clinic at my school to um uh, talk to some of their clients who you know they I don't want to give too much details, but basically they're convicted of crimes and then they're removed to a civil court because of the nature of those crimes. And then they're given a se- they're sentenced to a treatment facility where they have to complete this program, even though they've already served their criminal sentence. And it's, you know, things like that where I'm like, yes, you know, these people have done really horrible things, but the whole idea, you know, just because they've done horrible things doesn't mean they should have less rights than anyone else. Like, yeah. The idea is they not. serve their sentence, right? Why are they not, why are they not sending them to the facility, you know, immediately the one that they send them to afterwards? Why don't they just send them directly to a facility like that? I have no idea. Um, Fair enough. So it's, and you know, I'm, I'm very, um, you know, you start to see kind of like personality prototypes among law students. Um, like some people, you, you look at them, you interact with them, you know they're going to be a prosecutor. You know, okay. when you interact with me, like I'm public defender through and through. Like yeah. it's um, so I have, you know, I wouldn't say like an extreme perspective, um, but, you know, when I whenever I think about issues in the criminal justice system, I, you know, usually automatically approach it from that perspective, um, which isn't to say that, you know, it's the right or wrong perspective, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's just kind of, you know, I guess the way that I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I can totally see that you end up being a, a public defender for sure. Um I wanted to, so, I mean, you mentioned the, the issues in, in the U.S. You've been away from Canada for a while. Um, I mean, 
do you have any aspirations or thoughts on coming back here and and running our country because i would totally vote for you oh thank you <laughs> um i right now i do not um i'm you know right now i think that you know i could see myself living in chicago yeah you um, like it there yeah but i mean i'm i don't want to rule anything out so you know i you know unexpected things happen in life all the time so for sure if it felt like it was right for me to you know move back home and have whatever career there then that's you know what i would do um so I decide a lot of like big things in life, like going to law school, ba basically based on a gut feeling. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one final thing before we go, I know Zora, you're probably really tired and want to have a, a nap before your bedtime or, or something along <laughs> those lines. <laughs> um, but I wanted to, to speak a little bit about, uh, the tragedy in Florida uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, you're, you went to school down there. I'm not sure how far Gainesville is from, uh, from parkland but it's not a mm -hmm. not a large place uh regardless so um the main takeaway for me from all of this is the uh the backlash of the children and uh or young men and women i should say really and uh and their fight against uh against the government and and uh, the people that aren't protecting them uh i've found them to be very inspirational i want to i want to hear your take on on what's going on down there um, I am absolutely in awe of, you know, those young men and women. I am also honestly ashamed that they are the ones that are having to make this fight because people like me who lived in Florida for several years, my peers, we should have done this for them. Um, but they are doing an incredible job, something that they should never have had to do. Um, it's, um, I saw this, uh, meme posted a little while ago and it was someone, something to the effect like, you know, when I said I wanted the world to be more like Harry Potter, I didn't mean that I want all the adults to sit on their asses and make the teenagers save the day. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Uh, it's true. It's, it's, it's a, it's a sad, uh, it's a sad thing, but I at the same time, I, I mean, I kind of I've been thinking about it a lot and talking about it a lot. And I look back and I mean, youth has always been a uh, a force for change for stuff like this. And, and it's it's it sucks that it has to be so young. And these people had to had to lose their friends and, and loved ones for for something like this to happen, of course, multiple times. Of course, it's happened many, many times. But uh, um, yeah, it's it it's always kind of a, a group of, of young people that seem to force these types of issues. Mm -hmm. And I think they're doing a phenomenal job. Um, they're very articulate, very, you know, reserved. Like if like they're doing a very great job of not saying, I'm sure what many of the things they're thinking, um, you know, when they talk to politicians like Marco Rubio, I'm sure that Emma Gonzalez has some choice words for him. Um, but in the interest of having a productive conversation, you know, she controls herself. For sure. One of the things that's actually bugged me most about it is the rhetoric from, you know, the adults, quote unquote, from the, the politicians and stuff that seem to still like 
not take these kids serious. I, I keep saying kids, not take these people seriously, um, and like you know, bring up their age constantly as something like it's it's uh, a detriment to them, or it, you know, sixteen, seventeen year olds can't mobilize or whatever. And I'm kind of like these people are a year away from fighting for your country. Like, where's the perspective come from on stuff like that? I mean. My thought is that if you're old enough to be the victim of a mass shooting, you're old enough to advocate for changing politics. And unfortunately, that means that six and seven year olds now have a great political standing. But, you know, the reality is, is that thoughts and prayers did shit after Pulse. They did shit after Las Vegas. And, you know, the kids in Florida, they don't want thoughts and prayers. They want change. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that um, them being teenagers uh, actually like resulted in this type of movement as far as like uh, a lot of people said after the Sandy Hook incident that, well, if they're not going to institute any sort of change after that, then then it's never going to happen. But all those kids, you know, there's elementary school kids. They don't have really have a voice of their own at that point. And the parents are dealing with the tragedy of their children uh the vegas thing same sort of deal right people from all over the world are at that place they're dealing with the tragedy of their families and so are these people obviously but the kids you know they don't have uh they're just finding directions in life right and all of a sudden Uh they're given something to really really fight for uh do you think that that has a a great impact on that type of thing i mean i think that it is a factor. Um, I mean, I, from what I, I've read about, um, you know, the group of young adults who are kind of leading this movement, they were, you know, civic minded to begin with. Um, and I think that, you know, they were already fed up with the issue. Um, and instead of dwelling on a personal tragedy, they're using you know, something horrible that happened to them at, to bring some good about the world. Yeah, it is very inspiring. And and you are inspiring as well, Zoe. I always uh, oh, I, I read things about you and I'm always blown away. And, and whenever we talk, we have really great discussions and we should do it more. Um, we will uh, we'll have a chat after the after the uh, after the cast here and maybe tomorrow uh, after you have have some rest that I'm sure is sorely needed. OK, well, thanks for talking, Matt. Thank you for joining us, and you have a great night. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That again, uh, Dr. Zoe Arthurson-McCall from uh, from Kent University in uh, in Chicago, uh, the University of Indiana Jones. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Fictional Superman, but... uh, (laughs) But they have uh, real-life super women there and super people, and she is obviously a very interesting and very uh, inspiring person, so... Uh, yeah, we appreciated chatting with her uh, and uh, her taking the time for that. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, maybe have a, have another one of those tasty, delightful uh, Brazilian pops that uh, Joao brought us. And, uh, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye for now. This is how it goes. When you're on your own 
Mm-hmm. Are we back? We are back. Wow. We're back. We're back. We are back. We're back. Wow and the boss, 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 boss. Well, it's hard my, to... Uh, my real name was used a lot in that last segment. I'm afraid that somebody might uh, might identify me. Oh, wow. Yes. Who, who, who beat did somebody? Uh, Rick, the, the American People are after me. Yeah, people are after Putin, me. Putin? Putin is after me. Um, You know, the gravy and cheese really... They really want me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh man, that that must be tough, huh? That's it's why you true. hide yourself here in this room. Yeah, with I don't want to be. Gear. Yeah, I don't want to be. Uh, I kind of look like a crazy person, hey? When you come into this, I got all this recording gear. I'm I'm and shouting. And all these weed plants on the hood planted everywhere, like um, yeah, not sure. everywhere. I know, not everywhere, just on the floor. And <laughs> 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 I like have to put them on somewhere. On the floor, on your bed. It's a small like room. Everywhere is. It's an experiment. It's an uh, experiment. Sure. I didn't. I didn't. I just put them in dirt, man. Uh huh. I got. I didn't even buy them. They came prepackaged in my uh in my weed. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I didn't per- buy seeds for the purpose of growing, but I thought I'd stick them into a uh, into a pot. Yeah, though they look happy. They look happy marijuana plants. Um, I had to. I had to cut a few out. Oh. Last night they were they were dead. But I had extra seeds, so I replanted to see if other ones will grow. Okay, well, let's see that. Oh, there's uh, this one right behind and me. You can too. always you can always start another business if film doesn't go well for you for a while. No, it's know? only to it's it's more to keep my wallet uh, healthy. Sure, uh, it's a personal use I'm, thing. I'm, I'm I'm thinking about the day I'm gonna come here and uh, the room will be just like weed plants. <laughs> It'll be like a jungle. Machete your way through it, <laughs> and you're gonna be like there meditating with dreadlocks, like uh, yeah, man, I'm just hanging out with my plants. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm too bald for dreadlocks, man. I can't uh, I can't go that. The dreadlocks r- on the beard, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. You've been there like for five I'm just, weeks. I'll be bald, but have like really long like just like Im- like five head hair smoking your own your own uh, growth you know like yeah uh, oh, maybe I'll, I'll extract something from uh, the marijuana to cure baldness and then i'll be super rich uh, wow that would be uh that would be amazing man <laughs> speaking of uh, do we have um i don't know speaking of uh, do we have any more of that uh, cake the, the cake coconut cake? No, it's uh, oh. th- they have more in the store though. That's just across the street. Yeah, yeah that's it's good. Like, uh, I do have this away. chocolate. Uh, Jaywow brought me a Brazilian chocolate. Uh, try to read the name. Lacta. No, Lacta is the br- is the. Is oh, the it's the brand. Yeah, it's. Sonho de Valsa. Yeah, Sonho de Valsa. Sonho de Valsa. Uh, it's very, it's very uh, popular there. Uh, it's uh, it ha- it does has peanuts though. It's it's like um. Well, y- you're gonna tell me w- what that feels like in the what it feels like in the mouth. Oh, it looks like it's got some wafer in it. It's kind of a lo- a tall bulbous chocolate. Uh, isn't that a nice sound? Mmm, crunchy. Mmm. It's very much like an O. Henry, which is a Canadian chocolate bar. Oh, look at that. But it's got wafer in it, which the O. Henry doesn't. But the middle part is very much uh, like an O. Henry. It's like peanut butter, right? With yeah. Um, With some nougat, maybe. Well, I don't know what nougat is, but sure. It's like uh, it's like that stuff that's in a Snickers bar, the white stuff. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I, I I I like how this program goes. Like the first session is just like this really intellectual talk, and the second <laughs> session is just like. <laughs> 
was just saying rubbish about chocolate and about you like being this crazy dude with dress. I don't know how it's gonna how we're gonna connect those things. It's gonna be interesting. It'll be great. It'll be great. We're gonna connect them right now. Yeah, man. After I finish my chocolate. Oh, nice. Mm. I don't think it's a secret on the show that marijuana is a part of it. Oh, uh, no. no, no. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, well, a part of my a part of the boss's single shows, anyways, more so than the. Oh the yeah, dual shows. you've been doing this every day, huh? I took a break a little bit this week. Mm -hmm. I only did two shows this week. I don't know. I was mentally uh, zapped, mm -hmm. but I feel better now. Okay. So I think yeah, I'll get back to it next week. Oh, that's great. That's great. It's good to keep those things going. Yeah, in the last segment, we talked to my old friend, Dr. Zoe Arthurson-McCall. It was a great talk. Uh, about justice. Yeah. And, and um, injustice. And injustice and sexism and misogyny. Mm -hmm. And um, how, uh, you know, her life as a cancer survivor and a uh, you know, very, uh, very interesting, inspirational woman yeah. and person. She's probably like the most interesting person I know. I think. Uh, after me, of course. No. Uh, of course it is. Just don't if she lived in the, the if she lived in the in the city and I had an opening for and I needed a new co-host, I'd probably kick you to the curb. Oh my god! That's, <laughs> like, that's <laughs> an awful thing to say. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well, I guess no. she's very interesting. No, Zoe and I went way back. We we knew each other in uh, in university when she was doing her undergrad at University of Calgary. And I was doing my only grad at University of Calgary. Uh, but yeah, uh, she was, uh, I knew her when she drank a lot of beer. I'm sure she still drinks a lot of beer. But uh, she also does a lot of really awesome things. And she did a lot of awesome things then too, as she was doing all of this stuff, right? See. Working her way through school and uh, putting herself through school. Uh, you know, she's a Canadian that went down to the U.S., which is notoriously stupid expensive to go through school. Mm -hmm. She went down there and put herself through it um, and faced all these challenges as she laid out. And uh, and she's a PhD with only 26. At only 26. Oh, my God. And I'm turning 30 this year. and uh, I know. Uh, you know. Yeah, she's she's kicking life's ass for sure. And, and I like that she has no qualms about saying it either. She uh, She commands respect. And yeah. that's and she deserves it. Yeah, know, I like that. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, we still, you know, people like that so interesting. Uh, they still have to command respect instead of just having them. Yeah, and it, it sucks to hear that she. I mean, still on a daily basis, has to deal with uh, with the stuff that all women seem to have to deal with. Yeah, uh, which is uh, really it's really shitty, man. And you tell your story about uh, about Claire and, yeah. and her. Or I shouldn't say. Did yeah, I say her name? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's okay. And and her issues, yeah. It was just I, I I she was telling me this story and I couldn't believe what I was you know those are medical doctors people that know well supposedly know about stuff and you know you, they see people naked all day like yeah. they examine people so you, you would think that they are professional but like deep inside they're just spurs mm. you know and uh, <laughs> and I uh, it's just that's. That's the things that we never. It, it's hard for us to grasp how, in how deep this uh, the misogyny and how deep our this macho society still, 
it still goes you know like uh, uh it's just a lot of things is changing a lot of things you know uh, i think we are improving a lot of in, in in a lot of aspects but it's just nasty how how uh, we have this uh, still have this stuff man yeah i know man it's really brutal uh <sighs> it's it's just become i feel shit like i feel gross about it every time a story comes up mm-hmm. where yeah a friend or a girlfriend of a friend or anybody that i know has been through something even mildly awful mm-hmm. of like being like you know harassed mm-hmm. to and like said had something rude and gross said to them by some weird person like yeah. anywhere from that to like i don't even want to say bad things you know like ugh. all right i don't want to talk about it anymore okay we talk about that a lot on the show yeah and we had a big talk con- con- or it's uh, segment on it just a minute ago with Zoe, Doctor Zoe, Doctor Zoe, Doctor Zoe, Doctor Sweetie. <laughs> that was funny. She's cool. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really have a another I, I topic I do, for I today. Do, oh, do, you do? do okay, hit me, hit me. Maybe hit me. maybe we can actually do this more uh, with someone that uh, can elucidate us more. But I would like to talk to you about dreams. Oh, okay. You know, like um, I don't know. I, I've been having this. Um, it and, and and how it works in our our subconscious because um, it, it has been a while since I don't um, remember as much as dreams that I have been remembering right now you know and um, uh, and, and and it's so um, that they are so creative uh, creative like the, mm-hmm. there's no right and wrong you right. know like during during our uh, whole day we are thinking about this and. Oh no, we shouldn't think like that, or we shouldn't think like this, and all of a sudden you have these dreams that makes no sense. That makes no sense, but at at the same time they're just free to express themselves. You know, it's like uh, an artist uh, inside of a artist. You know, and yeah. and uh, how how funny it is that um, our life, uh, as our life goes, the the dreams they just uh, um, they just become something else you know uh, th- th- so i've been living in uh, in an rv here in vancouver for a while i've been living with uh with my girlfriend and today i had a dream related to that and it was amazing like the the, the amount of details and like um it, it's all related to to my life but at the same time it's just making any 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 fucking sense you it's know? like an abstract version of your life it's like a picasso it's like if picasso painted your dreams or something and and, and it's important uh, actually uh it's man it's free it's free um uh, scripts those are free scripts totally that's uh, where a lot of my inspiration has come from when oh I'm really late. yeah i mean I- if you if you see the dreams from uh, akira kurosawa akira kurosawa the, the the it's all his dreams you know the one that he met um van gogh and mm-hmm. like all those those dreams that, that that he had it was all related to him and he, he, it's free script, man. This, these people are, they, they know what they're doing, man. Well, for your ideas, you have to write them down. And you have yeah. to remember them, which is a challenge with dreams. It's tough to remember dreams a lot of the time. But you know, there's a technique. If you, if you, if you just, when you go to bed mm-hmm. and you put beside like a, a, a notebook and a pen mm-hmm. and you say, okay, 
I'm gonna write down the dreams. Uh, like maybe I'm not gonna remember, but I'm, I'm. That's my. That's my goal. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you start remembering them more, and and and. It's true, man. Um. Yeah, I, I have an interesting relationship with dreams. I've had. I used to have lucid dreams when I was oh. a kid. What is lucid dreams? That means they're like dreams that you can control. Oh, really? Yeah, like you you can control yourself in them. Oh, well, wow. you can control other things in them. Like too. a video game. Yeah. Wow. And that's um I started to have like serialized lucid dreams. Um, But while you were sleeping? Yeah. That's very Canadian. You can control yourself. <laughs> <laughs> while you were dreaming. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can control certain aspects of it. Oh, good. And um I had uh, they started to become serialized in my mind. Oh wow. Like they would start up again where the last one left off. Like I wouldn't have them every night, but when it was, it was like a return to you where I was before. Wow. It was really cool and I started uh drawing it and documenting it as like a comic book. Uh-huh. And this was when I was like 13. Okay. Excuse me. And um I had like a little shitty like stapled together comic book that I had drawn or whatever that was kind of about it or like spawned out of it, not completely about it. Obviously, yeah, I don't okay. have enough time in my sleep to Sure, spawn but it all but out. if you had you I had like the first ideas, sort of it's Yeah, I had like one sort of scene in my mind mm. sort of thing or like a few different sort of scenes. Sure. And uh I did that. I wrote the little comic book. I kind of, you know, went about my school life and whatever for a few years and came back to it later on and I wrote it into into my book there and uh which I just turned into a script. And yeah, so it's just like it's, it's free free writing like you yeah. said. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I don't have those dreams anymore since I started writing them. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. Since I started cartooning them as a kid, I don't have them anymore. Wow, that's that's weird. Mm -hmm. but, but I've obviously explored that world a lot more in my conscious mind at oh. this point. Okay, I would like to. Uh, b we should bring someone in to be our guest that knows about dreams and. and I would like to, yeah, for yeah. sure. We've had a couple talks about dream states a few times with different guests. With Alexis, we talked a little bit about lucid dreams and um, uh, being able to like feel your dreams. Um, you know, like they're in a in a space. Have I ever told you about the? The time I felt like I actually got like physically shook by something in a dream. Uh, no. Oh, really? No. Oh, I thought we've talked about this no, before. No, I haven't. Oh, I guess I just talk a lot on <laughs> and off the mic. <laughs> <laughs> My roommate asked me what the podcast was about last night, and I kind of like gave him a little like s sentence long answer that grew into like a ten minute political rant <laughs> and then i was like okay this is why i podcast and yell into a microphone so i don't like yell at people in real life <laughs> but anyways uh yeah i had this dream once um after this movie it was a movie called white noise and it had these three like shadow figures that wow. that like moved through electronic devices and were like in the static in the white noise mm. quote unquote And they looked like kind of the fates almost, uh, you know? Yeah. And uh, they were just shadows that would like go along the floor or the wall oh, wow. or whatever. It was kind of a scary movie. And it's Michael Keaton. He's like a guy that's like looking for his daughter in the afterlife Wait, or something. Wait, you had Michael Keaton in your dream? No, <laughs> no, no. 
This is the movie. Oh, it's a movie. Yeah, the movie White Noise. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought they, you were talking about your dream. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, wow, you're, are you hiring <laughs> these actors to participate in your dream? Are you paying them? or like, what's Yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's a movie coming out with Michael Keaton. Uh, um, it's actually a very good idea. Yeah, so this, uh, well, it is. They made a movie out of it. No, no, no. I mean, to, to have famous people in your dreams without paying them. You know. Well, you don't pay anybody to be in your I dreams. know, but uh, it's amazing. <laughs> you have to pay to even like have a picture of these people, and all of a sudden you can't dreams about I don't know Angelina yeah. Jolie and uh, <laughs> doing the next Tomb Raider. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, definitely had those types of dreams. Um, so we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's these three figures, and my room at my my place growing up. I was f- 15 at this time and I my bed if I was laying one way on it, I was looking like directly into my closet. Uh-huh. If I was laying the other way on it, I was looking directly at my wall. It was okay. against my wall. And I woke up in the middle of the night mm. and I opened my eyes and I could see directly into my closet and yeah. I could see the three figures in oh my wow. closet. And I had just watched that movie like a couple days before. Oh fuck. And I was like my reaction to it was really weird. I was like, "Okay," And just like turned over and pulled my <laughs> covers over my head. Uh-huh. Um, and then I felt something oh, grab wow. my shoulder. Oh, fuck. And physically shake me back and forth like four or five times. And I started screaming. Uh-huh. And I woke up. And uh, my dad was like, had like come into my room. Like a second, like he, like, as I woke up, his like door, my door opened. I was like, dude, like, are you okay? Because his door ri- was right next, mi- next to mine. I was like, yeah, I was just having like a crazy dream. It's like you were literally like screaming at the top of your lungs. Oh <laughs> my, like, god, oh my man. god, man! It was really, it was crazy. It felt real. real. And they call that, I think they call that uh, sleep paralysis. That's what we talked about with. Uh, I had that. Yeah. I had that the other day. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, it's like a couple of uh, weeks ago as well, man. Not not weeks, but a couple of months ago. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, but not couple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a couple dozen weeks a couple ago. Of, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh yeah but something something like that as well like um i was uh i opened my eyes but i was paralyzed and i couldn't i couldn't move anything i was like yep. fuck what the fuck what's going on and yeah that, that was creepy did you see anything because a lot of times there's like there's like a few mm. common um stuff that stuff you that people see when they're in this state oh really yeah um, no, man, that that was weird. And there was one time that I felt my uh, the, the sheets just to, to, to fly on top of me. Like <laughs> and then I opened my eyes and there was nothing in the room there. But that actually moved, man. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that, man. Uh, it chills me. Uh, um, it's crazy. It, well, it's not real, right? But it feels real. Yeah, it feels That's the real. thing is so... A lot of these accounts um, are uh, are common with people that claim alien abductions. Oh. Like they feel paralyzed and then they see aliens come into their room oh. and take them. Oh, wow. Or, That's or like do something to them, but they can't move. Oh, and they, can, they ap- appropriate the fact that they can't move to something the aliens are doing to them. Fuck. There's also like an old hag that people see. An old hag is like an old woman, ah. a scary old woman that like ah. comes into the room or talks to you or something. Fuck. Um, so there's, I think there's one more. I can't remember what it was, but there's like three or four different, really common accounts that people have when they uh, 
when they experience sleep paralysis. It's I, in, I it's had interesting. this the, the, the old woman, but it was not a dream. It was uh, my grandma's house. She woke me up. Not so scary. <laughs> Maybe too scary. She too had scary. The, the cucumber mask on yeah, and yeah. The, the curlers <laughs> in her hair. Wake yeah. up! <laughs> it's midday! <laughs> Back in the house! <laughs> Oh, we love our grandmothers. Yeah, my sure. grandmothers are awesome. They would never yell at me like that. No, my my well, my, I don't think my grandmothers. No. no, they would just give me treats and delicious breakfasts in the morning. They don't care what time I get up. They're my grandma. It's true, man. Uh, sometimes I just want to be a father so I can be a grandfather. Like, you know, like you mm, could yeah, just I like skip that. all the bullshit of yeah, being a father. Yeah, like, like, uh, you got grandkids, little. Yeah. they're like you can puppy do whatever you do. Yeah. Like, uh, and if they cry, you're just like. Oh, they're crying. Just give it to the dad. They're like puppy humans. Yeah. That somebody else has to take home, and you just get to play with and have fun with. Man, that's the the best of the world, right? My my father's gonna be a grandpa now, and 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 he's just so everything is nice in his life now, man. <laughs> like that's he's cool. smiling all the time. He's just like it's gonna be a grandfather. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah kids, kids are an interesting thing too. Yeah. Um, that's a different type of dream, I guess. If we want to segue it that way, a dream. Oh, to have kids. Dream from from dreams, from sleep dreams to like life dreams. Yeah, man, I would like to have some kids. Yeah, you know, spread your seed. <laughs> <laughs> Literally spreading seeds. <laughs> yeah, they would do the job. <laughs> Plow the field. Oh. That's why people used to have families. I know for a workforce. Know. Yeah, but uh, I I always get um, well. It's one of the reasons. Very divided in this in this. Situation. Me too. Like, well, I, it depends I, I on the person too that you're with, right? It's true, man. It totally depends because if you're, it, it might not be the right person. You're you're in trouble. Well, and when you're just not with anybody, it's really easy to be like, ah, fuck kids. That looks terrible. I don't want to be with that. But then, like, you're with somebody and you see that. Like, I remember having an ex and. I remember having an ex. <laughs> wow, that's nice. <laughs> I remember uh, being with my ex, and we were at like a family reunion of hers or something. Uh-huh. And she had, uh, she was like taking care of a small child that was like two or three years old, uh-huh. just like playing with it outside. And uh-huh. I was like watching her with this like little kid, and she was like laughing and like pointing at things while the kid was like laughing. And I was like, that could be. Fun. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> something, What's up, something girl? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the images that sticks out in my mind about her. It's interesting. Yeah, kids. I go. I go back and forth on like you do. I guess. Yeah, and then you know, and and and, and at the same time, look like at the mass of how this fucking word is, and like, oh man, really gonna put someone here like that? It's gonna. It's you know. true, man. Like, it sounds, like, alarmist almost. Like, people being like, oh, like, oh, I don't want to bring kids into this no, crazy no, world. No, but no. Like it, no, it is. Like, it's true. Like, I don't want to bring kids into this fucking nightmare that's going on. And, like, what? Like, their generation might not even, like, survive. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like to be a pessimist, but sometimes I was just like, mm, all right, maybe not. Yeah. Um, you know, recently... Uh, Maybe that will be the like a pandemic mindset amongst people of our generation. Yeah. That will uh be like a natural population reducer. 
Um, yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe, maybe because wow, that would be that would be a film, and maybe because people are afraid of having kids for the future, they won't have kids for the future, and then the future they will have kids, and then the humanity will stop there. Mm-hmm. Children of Men is kind of like that. You yeah, ever no, seen Children yeah, of Men? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it, but it's not mm-hmm. like that. They, th- there was like only a woman that could have kids. Yeah, all the women couldn't have kids anymore. It's not that they're not trying; they were trying. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm Okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be smug with me. All right, all right. Okay. I'm the smug one here. Yeah, sure. After <laughs> after you told me you're going to trade me for... Uh, for uh, for Dr. Zoe. Dr. Zoe, just because she's a doctor and she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she's got better things to do than sit in my room and podcast. Hey, man. and Okay, but she doesn't have a mustache. I mean... No, she doesn't. That's you true. You see, that's a point f- in favor for me, I guess. Maybe. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting to have a woman in that had a full-blown mustache just like yourself. Uh, like as a girlfriend? No, just in on, I don't know. On the podcast? No, just a person. <laughs> yeah, I guess just a person. <laughs> Maybe we'll cut <laughs> this part out. <laughs> it would be interesting to have this person. <laughs> Like how do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you just have oh, I have a person. In my head. It's a lady with mustache. You just like get rid of. Would you like to see my mustache, woman? Me. You get rid of me to put Doctor Zoe in, in my place. You get rid of Boris <laughs> with a, for the girlfriend with a mustache. <laughs> what? Not even a girlfriend, just a person. Just a person <laughs> that's in the oh, house. This person? I just have the. I just have that person. <laughs> I adopted. No, not even. It's, I just have it. <laughs> I have that person with the mustache. <laughs> That's the thing. It's the thing that I have. Okay, I, I cut it's that like right out. It's so sad. assessment. What do you have? I have a car, a dog, a person with a mustache. <laughs> Three guitars. And a lot of weed plants in my room. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot. There's three. Man, there's a lot. It's like four, and one is in your bed. It's just on the bed because I need to make space for you on the floor. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I bother your plants. I'm sorry. It's just because it hasn't been nice enough to put them outside. It's sunny. It's sunny right now. I know. I should uh, put no, them right outside. right now, all day. No. It's been sunny all day, man. It's been snowing down here. What the fuck are you talking about? Snowing today? No, crazy. not today. But like for the last like couple weeks, it's I'm been really about shitty. The day. I know. Day. Well, I didn't put them out today. I'm sorry. Well, don't be sorry. Do something I'm about sorry, it. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, Hoser. <laughs> all right. Well, I think on that note. Um, We're going to cut it right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, We've only been talking. Your person with Mr. S- wants to come in. Uh, <laughs> maybe this. Uh, <laughs> maybe this segment will just. I'll just cut this whole second segment. I <laughs> will just have Zoe's interview, and it will be a really somber thing, and we won't have this stupid, <laughs> goofy follow-up about food and dreams and people with mustaches and kids. <laughs> and kids. Uh, what about a kid with a mustache? Oh, I think that that's a thing. But like really young kid, like like six years old. <laughs> I think that's a bully issue, man. 
Oh, sure. really? Yeah, it's sketchy though. Um, maybe Should that will be the mic test next week. Yeah. We haven't done the mic test in a while. We haven't said much offside in a while, so maybe I will keep this all in. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's fucking listening, anyways. Oh, yeah, it is. Just okay. Emily. Uh, Emily. Emily. Pa- uh, Peyton. Yeah. Oh. What's up, Emily? Hey, Emily. If you if you Please get to hi- if you get you. to this spot. Give me a give me a, a shout out like right at that point and be like, hey, I listen to this one. And you too, Jerry. I don't, yeah. Jerry. I know it's busy on the road. Senor Jimenez. Yeah, but if he's out there and listening, and you get to this point, just give me a shout. Yeah. Just and uh, and maybe we'll cut it there and tell anybody that is listening to give us a shout. Whenever they listen. I got the first YouTube comment a while ago. Oh wow! <laughs> 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 You're like John Oliver. <laughs> It's just a uh, hundred thousand million uh, yeah. comments yeah. Uh, below. He disagreed with my assessment about the gun issue. Oh, the person? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Touching. Told me to do my research. Oh. I did a lot of research. Okay. So that was your first comment? <laughs> do your research? Pretty much. Oh, okay. It's like, this person's an idiot. And, well, there's, uh, well, because I had Jimmy Kimmel as, like, the poster. Uh-huh. And so they were like, Jimmy Kimmel's a political idiot. And you don't know anything about gun control. What about trucks that are uh, killing people in France? Are those called assault trucks? Trucks? Yeah. Yeah. So when I think I stopped reading at that point. Oh. But I responded with, I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, I said, we, uh, we are glad you enjoyed the show. I want to make it sound like I'm more than one person. <laughs> <laughs> We're a whole company, okay? <laughs> I have Me research and assistants. I have and a, a mustache sec- person. And, and, uh, and, uh, and my own personal assistant. Yeah. And a mustache person. I have those <laughs> things. <laughs> things that I have. Things that I have. <laughs> things that we have. We should make a an office. segment uh, of like, uh, Matt Scar... Uh, the boss. The things boss. that I have. <laughs> things that I have. Things that I have with the boss. In my room. <laughs> in my room, I have uh, I have three empty soda cans, an empty beer can, uh, a full beer can that I cracked two nights ago and didn't end up drinking. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, it was sad. I picked that up this morning. I was like, what a waste of that Pabst Blue Ribbon. Oh, okay. A, uh, a very, uh, a very uh, loyal sponsor of the Slack line, Pabst oh, Blue Ribbon. Really? Yeah. I'm glad to know. Uh, they don't pay us anything, but we pay them for their product. And then we consume it, and uh, and that's, uh, how, they that's they how the sponsorship works. Sponsor. That's oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So I think it works all around the world. Like that, yeah, that's a sponsorship, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. I think so. so this episode is brought to you by Paps Blue Ribbon, uh, and and although we didn't drink any Paps Blue Ribbon, we can do that in a second afterwards. Oh, we I have nice. some Paps left in the fridge. Ooh, yeah, wow. we'll crack a Paps um, after the podcast today because uh, we probably shouldn't be doing that at like. 1.30 or whatever. But you know, we probably could. It's Saturday. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, do whatever you want, man. You have all your own person with mustache. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I have that. Why can't I have a beer at two? All right. Okay. Uh, that is it for the Slack line. <laughs> uh, with Wow. 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 And the boss. The boss is coming. That's a made up dumb fairy tale name, you my boss, so very good boss. So thank you, boss. Thank you, thank you, Jay. Well, thank you to Zoe, Dr. Zoe, Arthur, and McCall for joining us at the top of the hour. 
Doctor Joel. Doctor Joel. No, you didn't earn it, man. But but if Doctor Zoe can't get the doctor love from her own doctor colleagues, then you definitely don't get Doctor Wow. No, I'm sorry, man. Sorry, man. I'm pretentious enough calling myself the boss. Like you're gonna be doctor. Doctor of what? Doctor of like mustaches. <laughs> Doctor of Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is it for the boss and Doctor Cool J Wow. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. His his uh, his medical license has been revoked as of this moment. Uh, thanks to anybody who's listening. Uh, please follow the Slack line on Instagram at the dot Slack dot line on Twitter at Slackline underscore radio on YouTube and iTunes at the Slack Lab podcast. And uh, see you next week. We'll see you next week for all fun things and enjoyable special times. Yes, and Brazilian chocolates and coconut cake. <laughs> That's good to see. <laughs>